Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 56 of the Questions Podcast, where we are exercising social distancing, kind of. Yeah, we're at least six yeah, feet we're apart. Like six yeah. feet apart. Just don't cough, projectile cough at me, Mark. But you know, all of our listeners, they're very far away. Very and, far yeah, away. I'll tell you right now, even from six feet away, yeah. I can still feel your minty freshness. That's good. Spiritual minty freshness. Yes. And I can feel your cold blooded love. There you go. It's reverberating from you like nothing else. Wow. Emanating, shall emanating. we say? We'll use the word emanate. That sounds oh, great. Man. It's like Eminem. Your eminence. Yeah. 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 Ooh, oh, your immense. Oh, so good. Well, well, I mean, collectively, there's enough brains in this room to almost smart. be smart enough to be dangerous. Exactly. Just yeah. barely. barely, barely, right over to what we call the threshold. Yes, yes. So some people think we're smart because we're pretty good at faux intelligence. Well, I mean, you know, you make up a lie, I'll swear to it. You yeah, know, I'm yeah. with you, bro. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Make oh it till you goodness. make it. Oh my goodness! Well, um, speaking of social distancing, this has been an interesting week. Is that what we're calling interesting? Ah, fascinating, interesting, intriguing. Think of all the different words that we can use to describe this. Bizarre. Yeah, bizarre is the right word. Bizarre is a good one. Surreal, yeah. bizarre. Surreal, bizarre. There's a few of the words out yeah. there. All of a sudden, um, every politician in America is a socialist. They're giving money away like That's crazy. What they're talking it's about. like Oprah, you get a car and you yeah. get a car. <laughs> I'm like, wow, everybody's getting a check. Well, you know, it has been said for a very long time. The one thing that the U.S. government is incredibly good at is sending people checks. So we're going to find that out, maybe. Wow, show me the money. That's Should be wow. Weird. Should be a little strange. Yeah, um, that's fascinating. You, you know what's great hmm. is because uh, aren't they bandying around uh, about? A, th- a two $1,000 payments, is that what they're talking about? They are throwing around all kinds of different numbers. I've heard numbers as high as $6,000, and I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of money. Well, you know, I had a little bit of a unexpected tax you, this year. You have to pay the IRS. I was year. paying the IRS this you, year. You don't have any... Um, I got no dependents. Yeah, that's the word I was looking well, for. Well, I have people that eat my food, but evidently they're not dependents. No, no. Yeah. Now they do their own taxes, which yeah. is good. I mean, yeah. you raise them to actually be... Yes. Tax-paying citizens. It, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, they'll, they'll be paying your Social Security. It'll be fine, Miles. But, yeah. But the thing, and mine, right? But yeah, I, I, I had a little bit more tax than I thought this year. So it's going to be great because I can actually pay it. If I get that, I'll be able to pay it just immediately. Well, It'll there be you great. Go. And you maybe know, so. I think a lot of people are feeling that way too. So. It's a little strange. You know, um, I, I find, I don't know what you think about this, but I find the fact that it's been raining like crazy is the perfect addition to this weird foreboding sense that's been going on through the coronavirus. I kind of hear the Jaws. I mean, uh, if it was... if it the, was, jaw, the Jaws theme song in the back. If it was a beautiful, sunny day outside, it would feel a little bit more, you know, different. But well, now that it's rainy and cold and... Yeah. Mysterious. Yeah, it's like it adds to the movie-esque feeling of this whole thing. Because I feel like we are living in the midst of a movie. And like I said on Sunday, I'm just waiting for Will Smith to show up and fix it all. Well, I mean, let's think about it. If Every zombie movie you ever saw, it does not happen on a bright, sunny Florida beach. No. It's foreboding, foreboding and dark. I like yes, that word, foreboding. We're just going to keep using that. Well, and... Bizarre foreboding. Here's a word surreal. for you. Moisture. Well, that's what it looks like, like right? I'm this, looking outside the window. This is a very moist day. It is. I, it feels it's like not the rainy. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's not rainy, but it's moist. It was raining pretty good yeah. at my house. Yeah. That's a creepy word. Moist. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Anyways. That's um, not going to... That, that isn't going to sell any cruises. Well, no, come to think of no. it. Those are all pretty much shut down. So, um, I went into the... I had to go into the automobile club... Oh, okay. Of Southern California today to take care of a little registration business. Mm. And so... Uh, so the DMV is probably closed, but the AAA is not. Correct. And so, but outside, I was outside and they have this little questionnaire thing. They ask the employees, because I got there just before nine. And so they have this little questionnaire thing that they ask the employees. And, uh, you know... Um, about, you know, have they been in contact with coronavirus? Have they been outside of the country? All these other things. So they let all those people in. And then they asked me all the same questions when mm-hmm. I went in there. Mm-hmm. They only let 10 of us in the building at a oh, time. Oh, at a time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Social there was distancing. There was only four people there. Yeah. And so um, you could, I felt bad for this guy. This one guy was really wound up. I mean, he, he had 15 feet of distance. People are stressed. He was amped. And, uh, but anyway, I went in, I took care of business and I went and did my deal. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, so I got a new job. Yeah. Homeschool dad. 
All right. That's my new job this All right, morning. Way to go. How do you like being a new hours. homeschooler? Not, not a fan. Why? I'd rather just drop them off at school. Okay. Is it the yeah. fact that the children are actually at home? Well, no, I'm just not, I'm not geared to be uh, the homeschool instructor. Well, it's kind of, when you just jump into this thing full force, I mean, it's like, you know, learning I, how to do surgery in a day. You got to ease I will into these say, things. I will say the older two, they were doing really good. They, they were pretty self-directed, self-motivated. All right, there you go. And most of their school stuff, they have a whole bunch. Of, you know, today school is online a ton, even though they actually go to a school. They got a ton of online stuff right, that they do. Right, so right. they sat down with the Chromebooks and they, they opened up, they logged into their accounts, they're checking their emails. I mean... It's a fifth grader and a fourth grader. They're getting emails from they're, their They're teachers. like little business executives. They really huh? are. I mean, they do they do spreadsheets. They do uh, like like slideshows and really? Google Docs. Yeah, it's crazy. These kids, they're, they're pretty on top of They got of it going stuff. on, yeah. They can't write in cursive, but they can make a mean slideshow. Well, there you go. Actually, Ethan does have pretty nice cursive. I don't. I, you can't hardly read nothing I write. I write like a troll. I can't mm-hmm. help it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I was taught to write at gunpoint, but that was another, yeah, that was... That was the public school back then. Well, with they don't get away this, with those um, kind of things. With now. all of this social distancing stuff that's been going on, I, I wanted to uh, make a phone call to someone who I think is an expert at social distancing, and and maybe we could we could pick his brain a little bit about the social distancing. Do I know this person? You do know this person. Yeah, hello, Greg Danskin. You are on the Questions Podcast. We are calling you because. There are a lot of intangibles to social distancing. So we thought that we would ask you because you've been practicing social distancing for like 20 plus years. I would say he's a professional. You're a professional at social distancing. And so we thought maybe you could give us some tips for all the people who aren't antisocial. And and for those of you who don't know. Hey, 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 back up the train. Okay, hang on a second. No, no. We should make some introductions. Okay. uh, For those of you who don't know, Greg is an architect. Uh Uh-huh. And he's also an elder at Cross uh, Connection yes, Church. He is. I'm a practicing architect. Yes. yes. And then, um, and he's one of my bike riding buddies too. Right. He's a good friend, but you know, he does runs his office out of his home. For how long? How long have you been running your office at your home? Uh, let's see. Since 95 here. That's uh, probably since, years. probably since about 90, 91. Wow, 30 years. Wow. So he Almost, was kind yeah. of like a indoor nerd before it was cool. Right. I mean, <laughs> wow. And but you're I mean, not even nerdy. But you're really good at by this time, 30 years of experience. You're you're pretty good at social distancing. He's, so we, we well, he's a trained professional. You could give us some tips. Yeah. Because we're not very good at that. No. Well, aside from just waking me up from my nap. <laughs> wow. <laughs> at three twenty in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, you know. You know well, he is in the he's in the, you know. Uh, he's in the at-risk class. He's got to stay, you know, on oh, top of this game. Oh, that's just cruel and mean. Oh, no, which no. is well, yeah. And and Mark, as we know, is at, in the risky class. Oh, yeah. Well, always on the edge, man. Living on the edge. Yeah. Sometimes spelled risque. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so you are working. Hey, this from isn't home. about me, pal. This is about you. Okay. <laughs> this is about you and your distance from the human race. Yeah, we want to know if you have any tips about social distancing. <laughs> It didn't work, did it? Okay. Okay. Tips, tip, tips well, on working from home, since there's a lot of people working from home, and you are a working from home expert. Uh, so, working from home, you have to be systematized. You have oh. to have an organization. You have to have um, a, a routine. Are you one of those work from I home think. people who you know you get up, you take a shower, you get ready for work, you put on the work clothes, and actually walk to the office, or are you like the I'll do half my day in my my pajamas? Uh, no, I I found that that really doesn't work you're not in the mindset to be focused when i first uh when i first started this i was in solana beach in a place that didn't have any air conditioning and it was 90 degrees inside the house and so i had to get up and really get focused and set up some schedules that i would and i'd write them down ah i'd have to write them down so i that's where i'm failing right there the writing down down, yeah i basically had to set up a system where i I've dealt with myself as my own employee. Oh, well, there you go. Did you ever fire yourself? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm lucky I got rehired more times than I got fired. Well, that's always the key. If you can get rehired one more time than you get fired, you're good. <laughs> well, well Greg, yes, Greg. Greg, yes, Greg. Uh, we're, yes, uh, yes, things, yes. Things okay. have become kind of tough. No, I'm going to have to let I you go. I can't get it done that fast. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that that was what I found there is that when, when nobody's around and you have to get some work done 
and you have to be disciplined to do it. And there's nobody telling you, there's nobody giving you timelines. You have to set them up on your own. Wait a minute. You, you do to... have a wife though, right? She's busy. Isn't she, she the boss? Time. Well, she's the boss of the castle. Ah. Um, but So you, you know, pay her rent for your home office? I pay her rent, yes. Yes. Now, okay, so I worked at home for, gosh, almost, what, 12 years? Mm. So And everybody saw air quotes. Oh, yeah, about 12 years. Yeah. Um, but when we homeschooled our kids, and you homeschooled your kids, so yep. we know, you know, we, we've taken it to another level. How did that work with your kids when you had your home office? I mean, were they running around like little savages or were they, um, um, did they have to be quiet outside the door? I mean, what, how did that work? Well, so when I built the back and I built my office, I insulated the wall between ah, the man. kids' room. Insulation. And then I put a solid core door in. So, but ah, there you go. rules. A vault. Rules are what worked. Mm -hmm. uh, my kids knew that they had access to my office anytime, no matter whether I was on the phone or not. Um, they just had to come in. If I was on the phone, they had to put their hand on my leg and wait until I was done. And then they could talk to me. Um, so we, we had some rules set up that they adhered to. And, and it was, you know, you make it fun. You, you, you can't be, you can't be on task all the time. So like, for instance, I, I set up breaks. I have to get like right now I'm walking. You're on a break right now. I'm on a break. Yeah. Um, but didn't and, you just say that I'm we woke you from break, your nap? Walk. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, on a break now. We woke him up. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was yeah. yanking your chain. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. All right. Yeah. Whoa. Well. <laughs> um, so, okay. So I, I call I Greg. I get up and walk about, um, you know, once every couple hours or something. And otherwise you go crazy. And um, my Apple Watch helps me because ah, it reminds me to stand technology, up. Technology. Mark, you had a question there? Well, I was going to say, I, I, I call Greg probably three times a week and I start to talk to him about mountain bike stuff. Uh-huh. And so I can, at first he's trying to be strong, but willpower. Then, yeah. But then all of a sudden it just starts slipping away and I'm, I'm, I'm hope it doesn't take him an hour to get back in the so game. It is the first, you know, Wednesday that you were supposed to be riding today. Yeah, except for the it's like pouring rain, huh? Moisture. Yeah. It's raining like crazy. Yeah. There probably won't be any riding today. There'll be no riding today. Uh, bummer. No. Yeah. Not today. No, but yeah. So, well, Greg, so I, I oh, guess the bottom line is set up some systems that work for you. There you go. Um, Systematize. And, and just relax, you know, take take breaks, take off and breaks. Um, because, you know, one of the things that's nice is with, with our texting our, and our banter every once in a while, I have nobody in here to talk with. So and you probably so get you, lots done. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was waiting for a different answer yeah. on that, I mean, man. Miles, you work till like two a.m. I do, so, I do. Most and nobody's nights. around to talk to there, so well, I finally have an office can... at home. It's been really helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah. people on the yeah. other side of the globe, he can talk to. The time yeah. change, yeah, that's uh, where yeah, all that's my other true. friends are at. That's true. Well, we will let you get back to your social distancing. I'm glad we have an expert that we can refer to for questions because who knows, this could go on for a while. It will. Mm. Mm -hmm. The new norm. I imagine it will. It'll go on longer than we want it to. Yeah, maybe. I hope you're not speaking prophetically. We shall see, though. Yeah, we'll we just have to see. So, Hit it hard first and fa ha fast, you know. So it'll be weird for you to listen to the podcast and hear yourself on the podcast. That'll be great. I won't be listening to it. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, man. My heart just You never broke. like to hear yourself talk, right? No, not really. So, yeah. But he still listens to himself. Well, he, you, he's the only person. He just told us that you know he he hires himself as an employee, so he has to talk to himself. Exactly. I'm sure he's sitting in his office talking to himself. Oh, quite a bit. Well, that part's easy. Right there, you go. Talking to myself. Yeah. <laughs> the, the scary part is when you start arguing with yourself. Well, arguing is better than agreeing all the time. Oh, okay. I can convince myself that anything works. Ah. Because it's intangible, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so I have this picture in my head of Greg because he's got to go to the county and the city. In two different cities, I mean, even in L.A., and have these discussions. And, like, it is very frustrating to work because they change the rules all the time on you. Is that true, Greg? 
Well, without going too far down that rabbit hole. Because this will be live on the internet. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's, it's a little difficult to navigate. Ah, okay, uh, so I can see Greg going home yeah. and doing the Gollum thing. Oh, talking back and forth. Could you see him like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) why does it trouble us, precious? Yeah, I could could just see that. Oh, goodness. You little fat hobbits. Yeah, I know what the scary things is, is is when I'm sitting there working, I'm getting locked down, and I'm focused, and all of a sudden, this little voice comes into my head, and it sounds a little bit like Boudreaux. Oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> yeah, the whole day is shot. Oh, goodness <laughs> yeah, gracious. Yeah, you know, see? There you go. And you're just talking to yourself. Sometimes I hear, because Mark's office is right on the other side of my wall here, sometimes I hear Mark just break out into laughing and no one else is in there, and I think maybe he's having a conversation with Boudreaux in his head. I, I definitely am. I definitely am. <laughs> yeah. He has imparted some, some, some wisdom. Either oh, that boy. or one of the Viking boys. Well, there you go. So. All right, Greg. Well, we'll let you go All back right. to work. Thanks for well, uh, answering the phone for us. I think I think it was helpful. I think it was. I'm going to have to systematize. I felt like we really did something here. And, and feeling like you've done something is 90% of the battle. There you go. It's, yeah. it's most of the, yeah, it's all there is. The and other remember, 10% is convincing your boss you're actually doing it. So, yep. well, well done. What were you going to say, Greg? Remember what? J- just remember, social distancing is not antisocial. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll try to con- well, convince myself of that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Greg. Have a good one, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right. Hey, good talking to you. Bye. Well, there you have it. The expert on social distancing. There you one go. Of the experts. Yeah, before it was cool. 30 years. Yeah, that's a long time. Well, you know what time it is. In the news. I spent a fair amount of time trying to find news that had nothing to do with COVID-19 or coronavirus or the China flu, the China virus, the Kung, is that the Kung flu? The uh, Wuhan flu. Oh, the Wuhan flu. The Kung flu. Kung flu. Yeah. I I can't find hardly any news that doesn't have to do with those things. It's a, it's an unfortunate reality, but I did find this. Tomorrow is an important day. Because tomorrow's the first day of spring. Oh, happy. It is the vernal equinox tomorrow. I'm going to run through a field of daisies. I know. This brings the earliest spring in the United States in 124 years. Hmm. Hmm. It's also opening a gator season. Is that true? We're going to skin them, eat them, make a soup. Have you ever eaten? Good. Have you ever eaten gator? We did good. I had it. A little little salty. I had it down in uh, Florida. Yeah, it can be kind of tough. It's good. It was yeah. very good. They got to fry the bejesus out of that yeah. stuff to make it edible. Yeah, but, you know. But at approximately 8.49 p.m. Pacific Standard Time tomorrow evening, the sun will be exactly over the Earth's equator. So you're saying the sun will come out tomorrow? It will. All right. It'll also appear to rise exactly in the east and set exactly in the west, depending on where you are on the Earth based on latitude, but it is the, uh, the equinox. We're probably not going to see much of the sun tomorrow. Maybe not. What is the weather report for tomorrow? Do we have rain or partly cloudy tomorrow? tomorrow I think it's going to be raining oh, zombies. Yeah, it's raining a whole bunch tomorrow all yeah. day long. Yeah, so you won't get to see the sun on the first day of spring. That blasted little, uh, what is that, groundhog? Man, oh, man. Yeah. Punxsutawney Phil. Punxsutawney Phil. That was my favorite commercial of the Super Bowl this year when uh, Bill Murray had a comeback with Punxsutawney. Puxa, How do you say it's, that? It's Punxsutawney. Punxsutawney. Phil. Phil. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a great commercial. You know so, why I know about Punxsutawney? Uh, it's in Pennsylvania, right? Yes, because okay. I was, my company, my weapons company I had many years ago, we were an exporter of something called the Striker 12. Mm. And it was manufactured if and you're, developed. If you're going to make a gun, Striker is a good name. Oh, for this it. thing was amazing. It held 12 rounds of shotgun ammunition, and you could empty that whole thing out in less than three seconds. Wow. And man, you that could, would make your shoulder hurt. Well, typically you shot it off the hip, kind of like Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger okay. style. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't really an accurate weapon. It just threw, threw of, a lot of lead out. Speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, did you see him with his two pet horses yeah, on it, that? 
Twitter feed the other day. Is, uh, is the, I was going to say, is the Terminator's clutch slipping? Is everything okay with the Terminator? I just know he was hugging two little miniature horses in his living room. Like, I, I don't know. That was a little scary. I was, I was very, you know, I made a point to not let my wife see that video because I know she would want a miniature horse as a pet. Yeah, that's dangerous. That. You dodged oh, the goats man. the other day. They were giving away free goats. And, I, I took my daughter to a, a birthday party the other day, and they had five little goats, and uh, and they were way down at the end of their property, these little baby goats. Oh, yeah. And, Go- you know, little little baby goats are called kids. Go kids, that's right. And yeah. they sounded like little kids playing yeah, down at the end of the They're happy yeah, little creatures. They sounded like little children talking. And then I was like, no goats, no goats. Um, so yeah, I don't really have much news because everything in the news has to do with washing your hands and social distancing. And uh, other than the fact that, um, Tom Brady is going to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's leaving the Patriots after all these years, $30 million a year to play for the Buccaneers. Man, I feel bad. I mean, he's barely going to be able to get by on that. I guess it's all about the money because he just totally cut Bill Belichick and the Patriots off. I mean, you get to get tired of wearing the same uniform every year. I mean, come on. Nah. You don't think so? I wonder if they'll give him number 12 if he goes to the Bucks. I'm thinking if he got the $30 million, he's not really going to care very much. No, I think he wants number 12. Now, where does he where does he live? I heard he bought a house in La Jolla. Really? But I don't know if he did or not. I don't know if that's just a rumor. I mean... Not a bad place to live. Yeah. Kind of a bit of a commute, though. You think he cares? Probably not, unless you can't get on an airplane because no, of he's the... Probably got, he's got, probably got some access to a private jet. I'm oh, assuming. you're probably right. He's probably yeah. not worried about Just coronas. pull it up there at Palomar Airport Road, you know? Yep. Fly him out to Tampa Bay. There you go, man. It's all good. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I have no news because I don't want to talk about the thing that everybody's talking about. Although yeah, tomorrow I... is the first day of spring. Woohoo! All right, there we go. Goodbye, winter. Wow. Yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. Did you eat um, some corned beef and cabbage? Yes, I did. We had corned beef and cabbage and potatoes. and Very nice. I had know. several friends who were sending me pictures of their corned beef dinner. Did you and, not uh, have some? Okay, well, I bought the corned beef, and then I, I got home a little later than I had planned. And so cooking the corned beef takes a little while. Yeah. And I thought, you know, we'll cook it in a couple days. Andrea's in the ICU working today, so we're going to have it tomorrow. Oh, cool. Uh, did you get the one from Costco? Or oh, yeah, get- yeah. I'll be really careful to not overcook that, people. Oh, really? Yeah, get it, a little, it, little tough. It, well, because of the higher quality corned beef tends to dry out quicker. Oh, higher quality. You yes, said. and that is higher quality corned beef. Over is it? Well, yeah, it was pricier it, than I anticipated. My wife was, looked at it and she said, "You spent eighteen dollars on this thing," and I went, "I guess I didn't really look." Well, let's be honest. When you leave Costco, you're just glad to get out of there with your life. There right was now. not very many people there. No, it's been very chilling. Grateful. It's yeah. been chilling. So yeah. I did I, get some water. They had no toilet paper. So I. I felt bad yesterday. Yeah, when I left here, and so I, I. What I, did you do, Mark? This, well, no, is I this just, confession? No, I, I felt bless bad me, for Father, poor, for I've sinned. Mechalikahai, Mechahaniel. It is. I felt bad for Pastor Jason. Oh, you know, he's got a house full of children. I do too. And um, but he he well, the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Uh huh. Well, Jason had had he was out of toilet paper, completely yeah. out. Yeah, so I, I had to I had to break into the the hoarder stash. Oh, and I didn't hoard, but I just you know I had already. Well, bought when you some. told me the other day, you had seventy one rolls. It happened by accident, actually. And you gave some. Up. I had to, I had to help a brother out, man. That's I very just, nice of you. The the thought of his his children and his wife going without poor Jim. I'm calling this the great bidet conspiracy of the 21st century. I'm ready to go. I'm going to get a hose. We get the, we're going to use the buddy system. It's going to be fine. A friend sent me a picture of just a, a, um, you know, a toilet with a, a shower head stuck in it. And he said, you know, homemade, homemade the super, bidet. super blaster. Oh, my. You Shall know? we um, do some questions for the question We probably should because this because is. it's been like 25 minutes with yeah, no questions. I, I just, this is not going to, this isn't going to go well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we left off last time with what? Oh, no, no, no. I, I reprinted. So these are, these are our new questions. Oh, my gosh. All of them. We've got lots of questions. Maybe we won't get through all of them. Wow, okay. Another follow-up. This is from a follow-up from two weeks ago. This is a this is a yes. big paragraph. There's a lot here. All right, another follow-up. What I don't understand is this. Less than 100 years ago, women couldn't wear pants because culture dictated that those were men's clothes. But now it's obviously not a big deal, even among Christians. 
If our culture eventually relaxes the standard about men wearing dresses because they're pretty comfy, I'll take your word for it, will this cease to be an issue in the church like it did with women in pants? Is a girl being a tomboy and wearing boys' clothes, which I did for a while growing up with four brothers, different at the root than a boy wearing girls' clothes? Is most of the problem simply because of all the other stuff going on with transgender issues right transgender issues right now that makes it stickier, or do you think it's inherently different? I'm going to key in on the words relaxes the standard in this because I, it should be noted that virtually every culture, in fact, I can't say definitively every culture because I haven't gone to all of them, but I'm going to make a pretty big blanket statement. You go, blank, culture, you go blanket statement. Every culture has standards of dress for men and women, and this goes back to the way that God created us. We have this because it has to do something with our nature. If we, if we believe the b- biblical narrative, then we'd say that there's a certain thing about our nature that God has hardwired into us that we are by nature, male or female. He made them male and female. And so there are standards of of practice, standards of dress that are typical in every culture having to do with clothing that men wear and clothing that women wear. So um, so if in a hundred years the standard in our culture changes and it's kind of standard protocol for guys to wear dresses, I mean, let's be really candid. There's There's a culture, the Scottish, where guys wear something that looks akin to a skirt but they call it a kilt and it's traditionally worn by worn by men. So that's not a totally weird thing in that culture. So yeah, we have, we have typical standards within culture and we have a standard expectation within our own culture and we typically adhere to those things. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm following entirely where this question is going um, other than saying, you know, in a hundred years, if it's okay for guys to wear dresses, will it be okay for guys to wear dresses in that culture? Okay, sure. But there will be a new standard by which men and women dress or identify themselves right in the in the 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 man wearing something pertaining to a woman or the other way around um it, this is uh it's really easy to get lost in the nomenclature here and culture and things like that and basically the issue with it is i'm understanding is if you're a man don't pass yourself off as a woman right. don't dress with something that's blatantly female you're trying to put forth your identity as a woman if in fact you are a man right that's and, and i'm gonna just i'm gonna I'm going to narrow this down. If you're, you know, if you're in a group of a hundred people or you're in a group of a hundred men and one guy is wearing a dress or something that only pertains to women, um, that's a, not a cultural norm. Right. Well, and I think we're making a pretty big difference here between kids and adults because when you have a girl who's dressing as a tomboy as a kid, she's not identifying as a boy. She still knows she's a girl. Right. As far as I I've mean, ever seen. I mean, my I, I daughter's knew some tomboys wore when I was a kid. Camouflage and all that stuff right. and wore the hunting clothes and all that stuff. But there was nothing that they were trying to pass themselves off as boys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not a. Um, so, I mean, this goes back to the whole question that we got a couple of weeks ago about um, a young boy wearing a dress and is that okay? And this, this goes back to our answer we gave there that we think it is a good and biblical value for parents to train up their kids in the way that they should go. And to way a way that they should be an example in the way that they live as they become an adult. So so yeah, kids. I'll I'll use a different example for my own kids. For every one of my kids, they they all at a certain point dressed like superheroes, and we had all kinds of superhero atf- outfits. And our girls had a whole bunch of um, of uh, Disney princess dresses and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So as young little children, it's it's understandable and makes sense that kids will dress up as their heroes or whatever it may be people that they look up to, but they're, they're basically learning how to be adults and they're doing that through play. That's what children do. And that's what you see a lot of times with young kids as through play, they start to learn different roles of being a daddy or being a mommy and all these sort of things. And there are certain things that will accord with the actual nature, their makeup. Like I have a daughter who, you know, it's been very clear from the youngest age that she is looking forward to one day being a mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's got a lot of little babies that are her little baby dolls, and she treats them like a mom. And she's role playing and learning how to be a parent. And some of those things, um, you know, obviously she doesn't do everything perfectly, and so they learn and they get directed by mom and dad and how to grow and how to live in society. Right. These are important things. Yeah. So parents do have the job of training up their children in the way that they ought to live in society. It's called socializing. Right. Yeah. And and there are, and we have to be really. I mean, real specific about this. I mean, there are certain things you wear and do not wear in certain situations culturally that are are 
pretty specific. I mean, you're like, you're not going to preach in a Speedo next week, right? No one wants to see that. Okay. But why? Because that's not something that would be appropriate. Thank you. Yes. For the place that you are. No, right. People don't wear their bathing suits. Well, I mean, I wear my surf trunks to church. I've done that. But I mean, typically, you're not going to wear what you would wear to the beach to the pulpit. No. And so um, that's, those are, they're cultural norms. And mm-hmm. so uh, when the practical side of this, if you're, allowing your kid to get too far out of the social norms in a way that's going to end up in criticism and things like that, that's not a healthy thing. And I will say, I'm, I'm generally concerned by something I've seen in Western culture in my lifetime where there seems to be a blurring of the lines between um, you know, masculinity and femininity, femininity. And I think that these things are created and ordained by God, and they're good. And the way that God made us... Now, uh, there's talk in our culture about, I think we talked about this before, about the issue of toxic masculinity. And I think that it has a lot to do with upbringing, that there are some toxic masculine people in our culture and they were not raised to understand what masculinity means according to the way that God created people to be. Right. And so, yeah, so there's some toxic males out there and they probably need a good wallop on the side of the head by an actual man who, who knows how to live. And uh, maybe they didn't, they weren't socialized very well, I think, when people are catcalling women and when they're doing all these other things that sexual harassment, that's not a good man. That guy needs a good smack from a real man. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's my and opinion. But about it's that. probably a part of that is right. his parents. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Not good upbringing. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They were not so. taught how to be a good man. So they were probably raised by a toxic male. There you go. Yeah. So I think we said enough about that. Probably. Probably yeah. going to get me into trouble, I'm sure. Oh, well. Okay. Next question. Okay, two. Are there other books besides the Bible that talk about the Exodus from Egypt? Uh, this would probably be a question of books from antiquity, I would assume. So older books. And uh, the one major one that comes to mind would be the historical writings of Josephus. Josephus Flavius. And um, he writes in the early 2nd century AD. And um, he has written what are considered to be the definitive histories of the Jews. And if you go online, you can look up uh, Josephus and you'll find that his stuff is available for free online, that you can read it online. And um, his histories of the Jews follow pretty well. Uh, a big bulk of it follows pretty well with the uh, histories of the Jews found in the, in the uh, Bible, in the Hebrew Bible. Um, but he also has some other writings about the wars of the Jews and all kinds of great things that you can learn from Josephus. And so he does talk about Moses and he talks about the Exodus. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Isaac and Jacob and all those stories. He talks about the kings. And uh, so those are those are worth reading. I've I've read pretty and, and significant I, portions of it. I was going to say I he- I've heard him quoted by pastors, not as scripture, right. but as a historical reference. There's nothing the matter with that. And I know that even uh, my daughter, who was a Middle Eastern uh, uh, North African studies major, um, that was one of the textbooks, like kind of one of the resources that they would use in their classes. So it's a pretty reliable um, piece of uh, history there. Yeah. So, good stuff. Yeah, Josephus, uh, J-O-S-E-P-H-U-S. Joseph, yes. Joseph, us. So, just search that online. You'll find him. He died in AD 100, I think. And um, so, yeah, end of the first century, his writings are uh, pretty good stuff. Yeah, that's a good one. And then uh, that should keep him busy for a while. Yes. Okay. And then there's always the National Enquirer, but I think it was on papyrus, so it's probably not around. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, yeah. I didn't know about that one. Yeah, it's a new one. I'll have to look that one up. Um, Two. Oh, no, uh, two or three. Me, three. Can you explain a bit more about, air quote, common grace? Common grace. Yes, common grace is the grace of God that has been given to all peoples. So, um, you know, particular grace, if you will, is the grace that we have received in Christ for salvation, God's riches at Christ's expense. Sometimes people say, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. That is God's particular grace given to those who have trusted in Jesus. But common grace is the grace that is afforded to all people in the world. And uh, one of the verses that you would look at having to do with this is where we read about the sun, or the rain falls on the just and the unjust, that God in his common grace, he gives rain to people to you know feed or give water to the crops and all that sort of stuff. So that's God's common grace. All the blessings that we have in this world are according to God's common grace. But what is needed for salvation is the special or particular grace of God and uh, so everybody is an ex- experiencer of God's common grace. I think that hopefully answers the question. Do you have any other thoughts on common grace? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. I, you explain it. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Number four. 
Matthew 18, verses 34 through 35. Oh, a passage you like well, Matthew there. 18. Well, this yeah. is a different part of it. Yeah, a different 18. part of it. But it, it's definitely, you know, still part of our relationship with people, right? So um, speaks of not only forgiving, but doing so from my heart. I have a sister who I have been praying about. Mm-hmm. I love her dearly, but I found that when I trust her, she cannot help but gossip and turn people one against the other. I've forgiven her again and again, but can I truly forgive someone from my heart if I learn that they simply cannot be trusted? Question mark. I feel as though I love her despite her many betrayals, but can I truly love and forgive someone wholly without being willing to start again with a clean slate? Isn't that more like allowing myself to knowingly be taken advantage of? Well, let's read the verse. That was a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think there's probably a lot of people who have situations like this. Family estrangement because of issues and conflict and forgiveness and unforgiveness. And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Matthew 18, 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers ooh, until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is the story about the the man who owed a great debt and he he came and he begged for mercy because his master was going to throw him into prison and his master gave him mercy and then he immediately went out and beat up on another servant yeah. who owed him a much smaller debt and then the master brings the guy in and he's like, have you learned nothing from me? He did not extend you. the same grace. I forgave you such a great debt and you won't forgive yeah. others. Um, so yeah, obviously forgiveness is a very important aspect of our faith and our practice. We would be uh, not saved without God's pardon, his pardoning grace and forgiveness. We would have big problems. So having been forgiven such a great debt in our sin and Jesus taking the punishment for our sin upon himself on the cross, then uh, he calls us to also forgive others. But there's some uh, some important considerations in the aspect of forgiveness because What's being talked about in this question, which is a really, really, really good question, is um, the issue of someone who continues to do the same thing. In this instance, was it gossip that was mentioned in there? Uh, gossip think, and turning people, backbiting, right. things like that. And I mean, this, go, this goes, you know, where did Jesus's story about the unforgiving servant come from? It actually came from Peter coming to Jesus mm-hmm. and saying in verse 21 of Matthew 18, Lord, how often shall I... Uh, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said, I say to you up to seven, not up to seven, seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And then he tells that story. So Jesus gives this uh, teaching, this exhortation on what we might rightly call extreme forgiveness. Um, but I do think it's worth noting that um, it's very difficult to have any sort of restoration of relationship without repentance. And repentance has to do with Uh, both a confession of one's sins and then a turning away from one's sins. And and you can continue to pardon someone, but it's definitely going to put a strain on the relationship. So you can be forgiving towards them, but if someone breaks confidence, breaks trust, um, at that point in time, it is a little bit more difficult to extend grace and to extend trust and confidence. And in that situation, sometimes I think it's worthwhile to even tell someone that, that I'm having a very hard time because... um, I love you and uh, I'm going to forgive you. I'm pardoning you. I'm not going to hold you to account on this whole thing. Uh, but I, um, I'm having a very difficult time trusting you. And this is why. That, that would be my approach to this specific situation. Because there's other situations that come to mind too. But you have some thoughts, Mark? Well, uh, one of my thoughts is, is and again, I'm just being practical here with a relationship, is um, as with anybody who is caught con- habitually in a sin, it's a weak spot for them, right? whether that be drugs, alcohol, lying, um, gosh, just all the, all the bad habits that people can, uh, it can become part of their personality and who they are in a fallen world. And so I, I think one thing to keep in mind as a believer is you don't want to tempt people with things beyond what they're able. And so um, I think it's great to address it with the person. But I, I think in the, in the practicality of it is I think, if they're hurting you every time you open up to them, I, I don't think it's a good idea to open up with them because they're not a trustworthy source and you're giving them the ability to sin against you and do something that is not good for them or you or anybody else. But in reality, they're, they're kind of sinning against the Lord. They're doing something that's wrong here. It's a sin. 
And so by you trusting them with that information, uh, they have proven that they do not have the discipline to be able to handle that. And so uh, I think in that situation, I, I don't think you're being unforgiving if you don't give them the, the ability to sin against you again. Um, I've seen this example. Um, honor your mother and father, in the, and it'll go well with you in the land. Honor them, right? That's a very important commandment. It has a promise attached to it. Um, but, I mean, I know some people who have some relationships with their, um, their parents or one parent in general where it is toxic. Like every time they open up those, that door for a relationship, that parent can't help it, but they sin against the child in a way sometimes very grievous. And that sin takes a, you know, there's a lot of different avenues for that, let's just say, um, that aren't good. And so sometimes you can best honor that person at a distance, not giving them the ability to, to sin against you. And it's not that you haven't forgiven them because forgiveness takes place in your, your own heart. And yes, it's much more helpful if, if that person repents. That's when true forgiveness really really happens is with repentance. But I think you have to be really careful about giving people the ability to continue to sin against you in this area because obviously they're too weak. They, they, can't, they can't help themselves. And so um, it's no different than I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink a beer in front of an alcoholic. Uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't take them into a place, an establishment that was like a bar or anything like that. I wouldn't do that because it was, they can't handle that. It, it's a weak spot for them. And so I think uh, you don't want to tempt people beyond what they're able. And in this instance, I don't think it's any different than any other sin. This person is not a trustworthy person. They can't handle, they don't have the discipline uh, to, to do this. And so uh, don't trust them with it because they're going to blow it. And, and maybe over time, they will learn that discipline. But uh, you don't need to put yourself in a position to be hurt continually and continually and continually uh, thinking that you're not forgiving them if you don't keep giving them the opportunity to do damage to you. I think that's fair. Yeah, and one of the one of the aspects of the word forgive is to release from penalty. And so, you know, it's kind of giving a pardon to someone. And so, you know, I'm going to release that person from the penalty. I'm not going to hold judgment against them and um, they're going to answer to God be, or answer before God how they have dealt with people, whether it's gossip or whether whatever it may be in that situation. But I'm not going to hold it against them. And um, and a lot of times, unforgiveness when we're unwilling to forgive someone, uh, it, it hurts us more than them. Um, there are some significant problems that arise in a person's life and heart when they hold on to unforgiveness, and it becomes a root of bitterness, and it causes them. Um, a whole bunch of issues, you know, psychological issues and emotional issues. And um, so sometimes just that release of the penalty from someone, uh, you experience a lot of, of um, a lot of good outcomes in that, but it doesn't mean that there's going to be a full restoration of relationship with that person. I'll use the example of someone who maybe was abused by a family member. They, they may be able to forgive that person and release them from the penalty of it, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to have a restored relationship with that person. That relationship's going to be strained because of sin. Right. And sin causes separation. Right. Yeah. I think we, I think we, I'm going to say nailed it. Okay, good. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we nailed that. Number one. five. What does apocalypse mean in the Bible? Ooh. Now, you know what I think is really cool in uh, the Spanish Bible? Apocalypsis. The, yeah. The, the book of uh, Revelation. Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Apocalypto. It sounds good. It does. Sounds cool. Well, and that word, that is the name of the book of Revelation in the Spanish Bible and a lot of other foreign language Bibles. Apocalypto, apocalypsis is the Greek word, apocalypsis, which means revelation. So um, it simply means to manifest, to reveal, to appear. And uh, it's used, uh, I don't know, a dozen or so times in the Bible, the word apocalypsis in the, in the Greek. Uh, but it is, when you look at Revelation chapter 1, if you open up your last book of the Bible to Revelation 1, and it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the apocalypse or apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that's what it means, to reveal. So the four horsemen of, of the, the revealing? Of the apocalypse. apocalypse. That, but that sounds cooler. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know. I like yeah. it. We tend to think of the word apocalypse, I think, in, uh, you know, in our kind of American cultures like the end. Uh-huh. So... Well, but like, so in Ephesians 1, the word apocalypsis is used a couple of times. In Ephesians 1.17, it says, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. There you apocalypsis, go. In the knowledge of him. And then in chapter 3, verse 3, how that by apocalypsis, how by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. So, yeah, it's a revealing. And I think a really great picture, illustration of an apocalypsis is a Christmas present. You got mm. that Christmas present. You will not know what it is until it's apocalypsis. Let's it's unwrap. Open. Let's unwrap that, unwrap Miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's unwrap that. So. All good, man. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good question. Bible yes, question. I agree. Right. I like that. Okay, number six. I there's a greeting. Hi, Pastor Miles and Pastor Mark. Thank I like you for that. the greeting. Yeah, thanks. In Matthew sixteen eighteen, right after Simon uh, Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God," Jesus responds. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail again. I think he said a little something else before then, but okay. Uh, shall not prevail against it. What did the word church mean at that time? We think of the church as beginning later, after Christ's resurrection. Thank you. I like the scene where this takes place. Now, this is yeah. at... Northern part of, it, of the nation of is, This is uh, Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. Philippi. It's a beautiful park. And it is a beautiful park. Yeah, it, it's man. They have the biggest trout swimming through that pond there, mm-hmm. trout ponds. But there's this huge the headwaters of the Jordan. Right. There's this huge opening. Yeah. And it was believed or referred to locally as the gates of is it Shul, Shul, Shul or Hell, Hades. Yeah. Not saying that it actually was. But Shul is is Hebrew. There you and go. It it can be translated the grave or hell. Yes. And Hades is. Greek. Right. And so an important thing about the scripture, I think, because many times Christians re kind of just reverse this in their head. But as you're looking at this cavernous opening there that, you know, the locals believed that this was really the gates of hell. Jesus is stating in this, this is people take this to be a defensive statement, but it's an offensive statement. He's saying that this gospel, that even the gates of hell are not going to keep it out. It's not the other way around. Sometimes Christians in their head, um, they, they're looking at it backwards. But this is literally, it's an offensive statement, and he's saying, literally, the gates of hell are not going to keep this out. And that's, that's what they believed. And I think it was just such a cool scene to be there. I love being there. It is a cool place up there at Caesarea Philippi, big uh, cliffside, mm-hmm. and then water coming out from underneath the cliffside, a spring there that's part of the headwaters of the Jordan River. It's a beautiful place. And during Jesus' day, it was a place of pagan worship. There was a number of different temples, like the Temple to Pan, and I think there may have been a Temple to Apollo there. To, to Pan? Pan. He was one of the the gods of the Greeks. No, I've heard it. How did they yeah. spell that? Pan. Like P-A-N. Peter Pan? Yeah, man. Wow. Totally. And um, he's a wily little ugly, devilish, you know, horny guy. Yeah, so let's not talk about that. Uh, but anyway, so um, there was pagan worship practice there and jesus asked the question who do men say that i am and his disciples say well some say you're the christ some say you're the prophet elijah all these different things jesus said who do you say that i am peter says you are the christ the son of the living god jesus says flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father is in heaven and i say you're peter and upon this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it now on the gates of hell Mm -hmm. uh our good friend david guzik i had Heard from him many years ago talking about this passage, and he had made the point, I think it's a really good point, that the picture is not, and I think this is kind of what you were talking about, it's not the idea of the church storming the gates of hell. No. But it's the picture of where were the decisions made in an ancient city. They were made by the elders at the gates. And so the 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 conniving, scheming plans of hell, if you will, mm-hmm. will not overcome the church. The church will not be overcome by that which is a wonderful, wonderful picture. But the question here has to do with the idea of the church. And this is the first time in the New Testament that the word church, which is the Greek word ekklesia, the first time that the word church is used in the New Testament. It's not the first time that we see it in other literature from the same time because the word ekklesia or church is a word that simply means like the gathering, you know, the gathering of people, a gathering together of people. And so Jesus is saying that I will build my gathering of people, my ecclesia. And um, so ultimately, 
his disciples go into all the world preaching the gospel to all nations, and as a result, the church begins to be established, and that's just the gathering together of the people of God as they uh, trust in Christ. So the question here was, da, 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 what did the word church mean at that time? It just meant a gathering together of people. We think of a church as beginning later. Yes, we do think of the gathering together of the people of God, the followers of Jesus, who were originally called by other people in Israel during the day, the followers of the way. We think of that happening after Jesus ascended into heaven and the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, and that's where you see this big gathering together of the people who followed Jesus. 3,000 people were saved that day, baptized. This is the way. This is the way. The Mandalorian. Yes, yes. They totally ripped Jesus off. Absolutely, 100%. So... I think that maybe answers it. We think of the church as a beginning later after the resurrection. Yes, yes, we do. But I know, I, Jesus I, said, "I'm going to, I'm going to establish and build my church." I got so excited about the gates of hell thing, and I'm just remembering that that's a beautiful place. There. It is a cool place. I was supposed to be there next month, but I think my trip is canceled. Well, I mean, unless you can paddle there in a kayak, <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. We still have some time. Oh, social so, distancing. Uh, well, this morning when I was talking about going into, you know, because I always think I'm funny, right? Well, I mean, looks. I think you're sometimes funny. Sometimes, yeah. So sometimes just plain shocking. What's your wife think? She thinks I'm funny. She laugh at all your jokes? She does. That's so sweet of her. She's very courteous. Thanks, Missy. So um, (laughs) they asked me why I was there, and I said, oh, to book a cruise, you know? Oh, at AAA. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering what you were talking about. Yeah, it was kind of funny because you're there, and I'm doing my my DMV stuff, and boy, those cruise booker travel agent people in the back, they were... They were were happy? Oh, yeah. I mean, they were, they were, you think Greg Danskin takes a nap down there. They, there they were out. They were, it was nine o'clock and they already look sleepy. Man. So poor guys. Poor people. Oh man. Oh Lord. Oh. Help the economy. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. You want to talk about the stock market? Let, let's not. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah. below 20. You talk about the gates of hell. Yeah. Down 9,000 points in 12 wow. days. Wow. That might be the biggest ever. Wow. I would well, say it is. You know, buy low, sell high. There you go. So, okay. Number seven. This would be the last one. I do believe that God lives in our hearts. Ooh. I believe that too. If the church is just a building where Christians meet, then why did Jesus say when his parents found him in the temple, but why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Luke 2, 49. Okay. Cool. Um, a couple of things. Luke 2.49 has some alternate translations in English Bibles, and it does because it is not entirely easy to translate, because if you look at this word in the original manuscripts that we have, when it says, um, you know, you should have sought for me, you should have known I would be in my father's house is what some translations, so like the New Living Translation, the New International Version, I believe the English Standard Version says, in my father's house. But the King James and the New King James say, you, you should have known I would have been about my father's business. And so in the Greek that this uh, is translated from, it just kind of ends with uh, patros, which is fathers. You'd be about my father. Mm. And so there's an implied meaning, could mean my father's house or my father's business, and that's why we see some difference in translation here. Now, it is worth noting that if you go back to the establishing of the temple, so the children of Israel, they established the tabernacle when they were at Mount Sinai, and that went with them through the whole wilderness, or led them through the wilderness, you could say. And then when they come into the promised land under Joshua, they put the tabernacle in Shiloh, and then... You know, you fast forward several hundred years to the time of King David. King David wanted to build a house for the Lord. And the Lord said, no, you can't build it. But he kind of set his son Solomon up, David did, to build a temple unto the Lord, a house for God, if you will, there in Jerusalem. And then I believe it's in, is it First Kings 8, where they do the coronation of the, the house of the Lord, they called it? Right. And the, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And God's presence was there in the Holy of Holies upon the Ark of the Covenant, and it remained there. You know, that's kind of the way we see things for a long time. And so there was the idea of going up to the house of the Lord, which was the temple unto God there in Jerusalem. But there's an interesting thing that happens when Jesus is crucified. And when he is crucified, the Gospel of Matthew, I believe it is, talks about the veil being torn between the Holy of Holies and the outer court area or, or the, the holy place. And uh, there is this kind of picture in that that 
the presence of God is not there in that temple any longer. And in Christ, the church, individually, Christians, and the body of Christ as a whole, they become, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 3, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God dwells in us. And uh, you know that's the wonder, wonderful mystery of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we no longer have a temple made with human hands, but we have the house of God, which is made of living stones, the body of Christ, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so we have Christ in us as the church. And uh, so that means that um, we are kind of like the Holy of Holies, taking the presence of God into every place we go to, which is challenging because that means if you're going places, you ought not be going. You're taking Jesus with you. Don't take the Holy Spirit with you, man. Don't grieve you're the in Holy trouble. Spirit. Bum him out. Grieve not the Spirit of God. So, yeah. Does that answer it? I don't know. It you, does. You have I, I have a... Additions on there, Mark? Well, so, um, as you know, but not everybody does, a big part of my ministry career has been spent building buildings ah, at yeah, one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we should build another one. I'm, I'm on. You I got one more left. Man? You put me in, coach. Let's there do it. There we go. All right. But um, it was interesting. I was reading a book that was written by a Christian architect, mm. and he he loved architecture, and, and it was part of his expression of his faith. And he went into architecture, and it's a really valuable lesson. He went into architecture thinking, I'm going to build the most beautiful buildings ever because I want to, I want to express this, but it's an important job because I, I love the Lord. And as he was designing these buildings, these very ornate buildings and all these things, um, he became convicted, and he didn't know why, and he spent some time with the Lord. And what he came to realize is the old covenant was that God was in a building, in a temple. Yeah. And in the new covenant, the new relationship with the Lord, that the Lord dwelled in men's hearts. And so it 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 changed up the way he viewed architecture and the way he viewed building projects. And he realized that these churches are containers for God's people. They're, they're something that will perish one day. They will fall down. They'll fall out of style. They'll be knocked down, rebuilt, turned into, you know, in and outs, whatever it is. But I think it's a really valuable lesson for us because as people, we love buildings. We love things we can see. We, we tend to even get into the mode where we worship those things. And we have to realize that these are all just vehicles Everything we have are just vehicles for us to use for a very short amount of time in the, in, the, in the scheme of history. And so I know when I began to approach my building projects, I always had that in my head. I wanted them you know, to look nice. I wanted them to be presentable. I wanted them to be safe. Um, I think that they can very much show you, uh, give a statement for what you're intending to do there right. uh, when you're doing your buildings. But you have to always keep in mind that this is a temporary thing, and this thing, this building, is just a vehicle, a place, a container for really what's valuable. And bear in end, mind, kids, bear in mind. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, uh, with the gift, it's what's in the box that counts. It's not the box. And so it was, a, just, it was a valuable lesson. I think it's a valuable lesson for people. Um, you know, we get excited about building projects and different things. Hey, it's what's in the box that matters. I think that, that is a good that was a answer. life-changing thing for me. So... Super duper. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of our questions for today. Um, Because we are exercising social distancing, all of our listeners, make sure you text us your questions for next time. We're we're thinking about some uh, some new things, maybe with the questions podcast, maybe even some uh, special live video broadcasts of the questions podcast. So um, we'll have to... uh, you can let us know through a text message, 760-814-1223. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm up. I'll, I'll have to not do this in my pajamas then. Yeah, we might, we might have faces made for radio. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we'll give it a shot. I was thinking about uh, maybe we could this live. This is just the container. We could live broadcast our uh, Thursday afternoon tea time with the staff. That'd be kind of fun. I wonder if anybody would tune in to the Cross Connection Tea Time. Every Thursday afternoon, we have Tea Time. They could be part of the banter. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, Tea Time. Or maybe we could do like Sunday brunch after church. Tea Time broadcast. sounds like a golf thing. Tea Time. Well, I like Tea Time. Yeah. I like yeah. Tea Time for golf, and I like Tea Time on Thursday afternoons when we, uh, we have chai tea. Groovy. As a staff. 
That's good times. So, um, yeah, let us know. Uh, send us a text message. Send us an email. Whatever you'd like to do, let us know. How are you handling social distancing? 2020 style. The year of chaos. The year of the homeschooler. Any uh, final words, Pastor Mark? It's going to be grand. All right. We will see you live online this weekend at Cross Connection Church at 9 a.m. You can tune in at live.lifeandconnection.com. We hope to see you there. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Goodbye. Goodbye.